shows like Valor, Animal Kingdom, Matador, A Million Little Things. The list goes on and on. She's either a series regular or a heavy recurring on all these shows. She's gone from just, you know, starting here with me to working nonstop. Let us welcome Christina Achawa. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. So I want to get right into it because Christina came to me, was it a couple years ago? Yeah, maybe around like four or five years ago. Was it that long? Yeah. Oh, geez. Time just yeah. flies. So anyway, let's say <laughs> let's four years ago. Ourselves. <laughs> she came in here, you guys, and she's like trying to get work and struggling along. And then all of a sudden, all the little pieces fit together and she can't stop working. So talk to us about that process. Uh, wow. When we first met, I was driving Uber. Yeah. I was struggling to... Nothing to apologize to, about. No, I because, was... Hey, trying to pay rent in any way possible, paying my bills, just like most people just struggling yes. to make ends meet and, you know, being able to audition and all those things. And um, I think like there was a very big before and after with my mindset, of course. I think it was all psychological. Um, As I fully believe in, but yes, yeah. go ahead. And, and it was one of those things where all of a sudden, um, a friend of mine also gave me some really great advice and said, you cannot allow anything in your life to sabotage your success. Mm. Whether that be a relationship, whether that be a day job, whether that be your own mindset, whether a friend, a roommate, mm. it doesn't matter, whatever it is, um, you have to set yourself up for success. And that became like an aha moment for you? Like it a was. little wake up? It was a little bit of a, of a light bulb moment in, in noticing that I was controlling a little, like I did have control over that. Yeah. I have and, control over me yes, and what I bring to the room and what I walk in in front of casting directors with and things like that. So did you feel like your personal life wasn't in order in order to get the further yeah. your career? So what did you have to do? Um, I had to remove all of those weird things that we tell ourselves that are out of our control where we say, well, you know, they didn't want me or they're not hiring me or why did they not pick me or whatever it is. And then I just started realizing all the things, the 2% that we can control, I wasn't actually setting myself up for success. So oh. I got out of what was at the time a toxic relationship. I fixed my my life. I Was it painful to sort of leave relationships or of course. to change? It was heartbreaking. Were, yeah. It was heartbreaking. But if that is, if health, mental health in right. a weird way and sanity is the cost, it shouldn't be that hard of a choice it just is you're just making the positive choice yeah and and after that it was one job luckily knock on wood hope it continues uh one job <laughs> what after was the another. job what was the one job that all of a sudden wow animal i feel kingdom. oh animal kingdom animal kingdom uh animal kingdom was a job that i at the time wasn't anticipating necessarily getting because i wasn't fit i didn't fit the breakdown the typical things we tell ourselves like yes, oh they're gonna did. cast someone else and but you did because we worked on it together yes we did <laughs> and we um, you know i walked in the room feeling very confident after we worked on it and having choices and knowing that if they don't choose me it was 
because maybe I wasn't the right fit, but not but because did of you my also, without interrupting yeah. you, did you also feel like there was an internal shift? So you got rid of all the negative forces that were pulling you down. So you were clear to tell that story and there was a sort of a internal power that you felt? Yeah, I think we're artists. Mm-hmm. We have to be myopic sometimes about our craft and mm-hmm. our art. And in LA in particular, sometimes we forget because the business is so prevalent and so important that we start trying to figure out how to, um, you know, outsmart the business Mm. and the industry. And we forget that our art is something we can actually focus on and work on. And I just didn't allow anything negative in my life at that time. Mm. I didn't allow anything toxic, anything that made me doubt myself or question my own worthiness and validity. And I wasn't allowing, I wasn't wasting time going on hikes with people who maybe were draining me of my energy ah. or things. You believe things. in all the things I teach? Yes. Ugh. Yes. I believe it all. You have to have, in order to be on that positive path, yeah. you have to have everything in order. And those little people that pull you down subliminally or obviously mm-hmm. have to go. Yeah. They do. It was a non-negotiable zero tolerance zone for me. Yeah. And that and I and that's I think part of why I walked in and I did my job and I did it to the best of my abilities and it was very easy to walk away going you know what? If they don't want me, they want something else, but I did my job and right. I gave them a, a character, I gave them a performance. I you did told it. a fully fleshed out story yeah. and you got it. And Animal Kingdom was the first of this series of, you know, the last few years of just work. And I've been so lucky But to what go changed? Back. What changed in you? So you got Animal Kingdom, but you yeah. still had to audition for all these other parts. Yeah. Was there a certain, uh, was there a change in you when you went in? Were you still the same? Did you just feel like, okay, I just have to do the work, tell the story, close the room, and leave? I did. I, I, um... I started thinking about less about if they liked what I was doing and they liked me and I actually started questioning well do I like them do I like the part do I like the <laughs> I started actually asking myself those questions do I like the script am I sold on this like so in a weird sense I took charge by pretending to also be casting them okay great kind of a thing yeah um, and that was that was good and I stopped thinking that I had to shrink myself in order to be humble and modest and and that it's not, you know, uh, mutually exclusive from walking in the room feeling confident and from doing the best that you can. Mm -hmm. So it was was a complete mindset shift. There was no, oh, I changed this in my routine or... It was just internal. It was mental. It was a mental mindset. And within a month... You guys, I hope you hear this mental mindset. Completely. Um, but, and within a month, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say the animal kingdom was say the first of April. By the end of that month, I had booked, um, the sci-fi show blood drive and was moved to Austria, to South Africa for yes, I remember that. seven months. Yeah. Um, and then back and for the second season, it was, it was, that was the catalyst. Incredible. Now, but you didn't start off as an actor. Mm-mm. What were you? Tell us. I know, but they want to know. <laughs> um, my background is in science, in particular She's oceanography. She's the most gorgeous scientist you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> life. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and the most red now from blushing. Um, I'm very uncomfortable with compliments. Um, but uh, it was, yeah, and I was working here as a science communicator a lot of the time to make ends meet. 
Um, so you went to school for oceanography? Oceanography, oh. yeah. Um, and then went to Australia to finish there, um, did advanced marine biology, and then merged into, I attempted to get my master's in high energy particle physics. Hi, um, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> but let me ask you, so when you came to Los Angeles, did you want to dabble in acting? Did somebody turn you on to it? Was it always in the back of your mind? What happened? Um, I took an amateur theater, like a theater class, mm. because I thought it would help me with speaking in public. A lot of the things that in science communication I was doing were keynote speeches and conferences and talking in front of groups of young women who wanted mm. to go into science mm. and things like that. And I thought it would help me speak in public. Which and I took, it did. It did. It did. And <laughs> I changed took your the life. theater class and fell in love. Yeah. And we can't really explain love, can no, we? No, we so can't I just, explain love. Yeah. You, when you get bit by the bug, you have to fulfill your passion to do it. Yes. And so I believe that, and I always talk about this, that actors have the passion of acting. But do you feel like you have a higher purpose above it all besides just the passion and telling stories? Do you want to give back? Is there anything that you want to have the platform to be able to take care of? 100%. I think it's important, crucial, and fundamental for all artists uh, because we have this task of being so myopic and self-centered and stuff a lot of the time because we are our craft. Mm -hmm. We have almost an obligation to have a cause bigger than us, something that is more important than our small world or our perspective. For me, it's uh, advocacy and uh, marine conservation, STEM education, anything that has to do with getting women and minorities in the sciences. And how are you doing that? So now you have a little bit of a platform from being on shows. I think I do it twofold. One of them, I'm getting into production mm -hmm. a lot. So I'm developing shows and content that has, you know, is infused with mm -hmm. science um, or with an environmental message. Mm -hmm. And then also, uh, obviously, any platform I'm given. Mm -hmm. interviews, podcasts, uh, <laughs> social media, things like that. I try to always make sure that I can recenter that focus into being about that. Because what do you want in the scientific world? Environment? What do, what's your... Um, yeah, I think, you know, I want to make sure that people are passionate about mm -hmm. curiosity and mm -hmm. growth, mental and intellectual stimulation. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important for me Marine sciences are mm. obviously dear to my heart, but wildlife in general mm. and environmentalism are very big mm -hmm. causes. So I think that that's um, really what I just want to advocate for and elicit. And it doesn't have to be that. Sherry, you know this. Like, mm -hmm. it could be uh, cancer research. It could be homelessness. It could be, uh, you know, children in need. It could be gender Anything. issues. Right. Anything. Right. I'm just saying, so you have a platform now so you can, you know, speak to bigger yeah. groups. Yes. And, and hopefully groups that aren't already um, maybe aware of it, mm -hmm. right? Because speaking at a conference or giving a keynote, you're talking to a room full of people that are kind of already in that zone. Right, right, right. But talking to a group of people who maybe have never thought they might be interested in science or they might be interested in what's so underwater. Sparking. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. That's yeah. what the power of film and TV and art and acting can do. I agree. I agree. So I think when people have a little bit of success, to use it to give back to the world is so much more empowering than just having that just going to work. Because when you have that, when you have that platform, I mean, there's just a higher thing going on here. So yeah. there's so many people to help in the world. That's part of the reason I do podcasts. So people out there that can't be in Los Angeles yeah. or my studio in New yeah. York, and they can listen and absorb and learn from actors, but also hear 
that they have other jobs that are being useful and you had other jobs that were being useful yeah. as well. You know what I mean? But let's get back to acting. Yeah, yeah. So what, is, what was like the greatest audition that you feel experience that you had? Tell us, and then tell us the worst. worst. Like, did you bobble? Did you freeze? Ooh. Did you did you shut down in the room? Did you redeem yourself? Tell us some stories. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, the best audition I ever had was probably, you know what? I want to say uh, Valor was a very good one. Okay. It was a very warm Why? room. Okay. It was a very... Um, I think I was just in the zone too. You have those moments mm-hmm. where inexplicably you've done your prep. Yeah. I worked very hard on the that material, on the script. I did my, you know, uh, I make playlists for my characters. That's oh. my go-to. Uh-huh. Um, so I craft like a little playlist that gets me in that mood mm-hmm. immediately. Um, and I had done all my background work and then walked in very confidently and walked out one of the few times ever that I've walked out and called my agents and been like, I got it. And it was only at the audition. It wasn't, we hadn't even tested. There was nothing. (laughs) But I was so confident because I felt like it was, it was meant to be kind of a thing. It was destined. That part was mine. And you know, because you felt at one. Yeah. With that character. And there's moments in your acting that it's rare. Yeah. It is very rare that all of a sudden you have become that person yeah because at the end of the day it is you but you have to layer up the circumstances you have to layer up your personal stuff you have to keep layering but when it all comes together yeah that that was that was magic and then did you feel that way for animal kingdom i did um but funny enough i walked out thinking i got it and then i didn't get that part (laughs) i was given a different one okay fine um which is great that the next day they just called me and they were like hey we really want you for this other part instead which i lucked out on because do you get nervous and when you audition do you feel the butterflies do your handshakes are you the person that can be calm and focused and i used to get more nervous than i do now Mm -hmm. um i think that mental shift helped a lot Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden I didn't feel like I was in an evaluative situation and they were judging me. I felt like I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to walk in and give you my interpretation of this character. Beautiful. And if you don't like it, that's totally cool. I get it. But I, I've done my homework. This is, it's like you don't go to a personal trainer and you know, if they're like, well, I don't know, what do you want to do? Do you want to yeah. do abs? Do you want to do <laughs> yeah. uh, push-ups? You want someone who, knows their job, can mm-hmm. do it, mm-hmm. can do it professionally, mm-hmm. and who is a pro in right. their arena. Have you ever had an embarrassing moment in an audition? So many. Oh, tell us why. So Give many. us a juicy one. Um, I took my clothes off for <laughs> Jeff Greenberg. What? Um, for Modern, when I auditioned for Modern Family. This is hilarious. <laughs> um, in the office, and um, not in, I just, the scene called for her to be changing her top. So I was new, (laughs) and in Spain, if it says change your top, it's very normal and natural (laughs) to change your top. And I didn't know that you don't do that here in the States. He must have been Fifty Shades of Red. He was, you know what, he, I, I, you know, he just ended the audition very politely, was, uh, told me, (laughs) don't ever do that again. (laughs) Have you been back to his Um, office? I booked, I booked the job. I booked, not not that one. Again, not that one. I know. I ended up coming back a week later for a different role and that was the job that got me Taft Hartley for a nurse in uh, Modern Family. Oh. Yeah. 
That's crazy. So you yeah. literally took off your shirt. You had your bra. I had my bra on, but I took off. It's a, it's an office with glass doors. Like there's people waiting outside. It's a little. It was like a pre-read situation, and I just came in and the character at the time. Okay, I will never note to everybody: it. do never not take, take your, clothes your clothes off. Ever. Um, we just wear a sweater on top and you can take off your sweater. And you'll still have your shirt on. And you'll on. still have your shirt on. So right. much smarter. It was awful. <laughs> well, you must have done something that was cute and adorable and redeeming that he brought you back. Because um, if in that particular situation, yeah. though, if you freaked out and apologized and was like, oh my God, I don't think he would bring you back. He saw I, yeah. something through it. Um, I think I just laughed it off and oh. was and played the Spanish card, you know. And I was just like, "Well, I'm from Spain, you know. Like, yes. <laughs> clearly, I'm okay with nudity." I made some <laughs> terrible joke that would not be acceptable in this time nowadays, um, but that at the time, also considering, you know, Jeff Greenberg was. Um, you know, knowingly he is homosexual and had no, literally was not even looking at my boobs right. the entire time. <laughs> so it was a very comfortable room. And yeah, but he was so kind and so lovely. And I was just so, so green. That is so funny. So yeah. tell us about your life now. Are you in a relationship? You don't have to talk about the relationship. <laughs> um, what's next? What are you doing relationship-wise? Um, what are you doing? I, I heard through the grapevine that you're producing. Yes. So are these things empowering you? Tell us about this. Sure. Um, I have been single for a really long time, for four almost years, three and a half years. Oh, really? Was it that long? Like three time and a half flies. years. Yeah. Something like that. And um, was completely closed off to any relationship just because any hint of negativity. Yeah was a complete turnoff for me. And right. I would just shut the door on it completely. So I was single, not going on dates, nothing. Just focused on work. And now I am in a very healthy, very loving relationship that is positive and Beautiful. encouraging and supportive. And uh, But meaningful. you brought in a healthy person because you were in a healthy place. I think that's the key, Sherry. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, right? You make mm -hmm. yourself better, you'll attract better. Correct. And there are times that you make yourself better and then you bring in the other the old the, the old energy that you bring in the lesson and you go yeah. oh there's my lesson push it away <laughs> exactly that's yeah. great yeah you bring in the lesson yeah. <laughs> um and now my i'm i'm shooting but on my spare time uh i have developed a production company we have my partner and i have projects that we are uh, developing in different stages, sometimes just optioning IP to future, you know, in the future develop when I can be attached as an actor because right mm -hmm. now I can't necessarily be attached. Because what shows are you doing right now? Tell us. Um, so I'm doing A Million Little Things, which mm -hmm. is a show on ABC. Mm -hmm. um, we're on hiatus right now. Got picked up for a second season. Very yes. excited. And I am also on uh, Animal Kingdom. Yes. Which is now in its fourth season. Crazy. And we are very excited. And, and then let me just interject yeah. to this. When you first got Animal Kingdom, because I do recall it was a very sexual scene. Yes. Now, being on set, was that the first sort of nude scene that you had to do ever? Or? Yes, 100%. So how was that experience? And how did you prep for it? And that, you're from Spain, so I know you didn't care if anybody was watching you. But Yeah, well, <laughs> but here's the thing. The comfort level with nudity is actually the least of the real concerns on set at mm -hmm. the end of the day. Um, it's not so much about, oh, how do I look naked, which I didn't have an issue with. It was, it's more about how you are treated and how people treat you and your chemistry with your partner and making that seem legit. Um, this role was supposed to die two episodes in mm -hmm. and OD and never come back. And given the work that 
my co-star and I, Ben Robson, um, did on the dynamic in the relationship to elevate it to something more than just sex. Mm-hmm. They liked the chemistry so much that we're now in our fourth season together. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, but, but on that particular first day mm-hmm. that you had to be intimate on set. Oh my God. What the stories? What was it? What was the preparation? How do you just, who did you trust? Did you have someone hold your hand? Did you just go into your zone? Did you just put it all into him and just erase everybody? Because there's a lot of people around while you're mm-hmm. doing this. Yeah. Um, I lucked out on two things. One, the cast, the, not the cast, but the crew and the showrunner, John Wells, they do Shameless. Mm-hmm. And they've they'd been on like for nine ER seasons. ER and everything and else. ER, yes. of course. They've done a million things. and um, But they are very comfortable with nude scenes and sex scenes and stuff. So they are incredible professionals. They turn around. They do the courtesy turn. Wardrobe is there with a blanket. It's uh. it's immediate. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about it. The AD came up and said if there's any ever any issue, do this sign. And he would like rub his ear. And that I know I have to yell cut and everything stops. You will never be blamed for it. Oh, like, incredible. Uh, John, so teamwork. Yeah, John Wells pulled me over to the video village um, and pulled me over to the monitors when our stand-ins were there. And he mm. was like, this is what the shot looks. Are you comfortable with it? Mm. Incredibly kind crew. So that okay. helped a lot. Yes. My co-star and I worked on it um, the weekend before. And we tried to, you know, we literally went through choreography as mm. if it were a fight. Mm. as if it were a fight choreography mm. so your hand is going to be here okay great and your hand is going to be here great I'm going to sit on this side of your hip so it looks like I'm straddling you but mm. not on you right. and this is the pressure is this okay yes and okay I'm going to kiss you is that okay with you mm. are you we went through the beats just us because that there's no time for that right. on, on set right. um and we did that and it took away any awkwardness between us, which is always the uncomfortable, mm-hmm. really the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took that away. So and you rehearsed it, it me, and then yeah. you became in the moment because the rehearsal. Yeah. The rehearsal process is everything. And you know what? Surprisingly, you can be so empowered when you do it that way mm. um, on set, even in a situation that is normally very uncomfortable and awkward mm-hmm. because you're surrounded by strangers. Nobody wants it to be uncomfortable and awkward. Mm-hmm. Not the crew. They don't yeah, want to be looking at the course. wrong place. They right. don't want to be like, like, nobody wants it to be awkward. Um, so it kind of falls. I think now they have intimacy coaches on set a lot, ah. which is a new thing. Okay. Um, not, I haven't met them on this show. I don't think they have them, but I think in Hollywood they're starting to implement them. Okay. Um, I think they are SAG reps or union yeah. reps that uh-huh. come in to make sure everyone is comfortable. Right. Um, I think it really just falls on you to take ownership of that. And Mm -hmm. this is part of your job. Nowadays, sexuality is not taken off the table and limited to a very exclusive niche of actors. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be Halle Berry to be asked to do a a sex scene in Mm -hmm. any way. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be... Um, a movie star that has power that's getting paid. You know, it's it's a human story. It's mm-hmm. part of the human experience. I agree. So people are, are writing scenes that, you know, and you have every right to question it and be like, why am I doing this? Why am I naked here? Why? I've done that on other shows. Right, because if it doesn't feel comfortable, you don't do if it. If it feels if gratuitous. It, if it, yes, if it feels gratuitous, yeah. no, but if it's telling the story and it's truthful yeah. to the character's yes. arc and her the life, then, I mean, I have no problem with it. Yeah. Same. And I also think our bodies are our tools and you are telling a story. Mm -hmm. And the best thing you can do is forget about the sexual element of it and see how you can tell part of the characters. But it's the connection. Yeah. and But also the character's traits, right? Mm -hmm. So my character, 
I we choreographed it and I was very clear she had to be on top she was the one that was mm. empowered mm-hmm. um you know he was not the one that was like controlling anything but they were very competitive so anytime he tried she trampled him oh good um because that those are parts of her character yeah and yeah. again the music the playlists helped a lot and your preparation yeah that's your preparation exactly um so before you when you left science and you went into acting after that one class, did you start training? Did you just, what did you do? What was your process? I did. I went to a conservatory in mm-hmm. Spain for almost two years. I love Spain. Spain is great. Spain's amazing. If you guys haven't <laughs> gone to Spain, you've got to go to Spain. It's yeah. an amazing place. It's I... just so incredible. Barcelona, San Sebastian, Sevilla, so many incredible places to go. Yeah, and traveling. I, it's home. So yes, I, it's home I for have, you. Yeah, it's home for me. I have yes. nothing negative to say. Yes, I'll never exactly. say anything negative about <laughs> it's it. It's incredible. Um, so you trained at a conservatory? Yeah, we trained there. And what's funny is the, the system, the business is very different oh, what um, in, in Spain. Well, for example, people have to go to a conservatory in mm. order to train mm. um, before they can access the workforce mm. as actors. Mm. Um, and casting directors uh, r- rarely exist. There's not that many of them. The agents are directly in touch with the directors and the filmmakers a oh, lot of the time. And you don't really audition. Hmm. You Because people assume if you've graduated from the conservatory, you can act. Oh. So it's more about what do you look like? And that's where you get these very odd, interesting casting choices because it's about like a director knowing the actors are capable Oh, fascinating. And so it's just like, what do you look like? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, let's try this. It's almost more open and artistic. It is. And actors have a say. And I think that's what we're all fighting for nowadays here, is having a bit more, not being last on the totem pole as actors in the industry, and having a bit more of a say of the creative control of that character Mm -hmm. and those choices Mm -hmm. and working alongside with the filmmakers and writers instead of beneath them. And being told what to do and having to do. We're not... Puppets. Yes. Yeah. We're yeah. artists. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we want a seat at the table. Like, that's all. <laughs> the fine line with that, though, is some artists don't know how to take a seat. They only know how to take the control. So it's, yeah. it's like almost, it is that way just to keep, you know, order. Right. Because there's so many voices as it is, and then there's another voice. So then it gets, it mixes the pot too yeah. much. But I do agree. It could be a little bit more. But you know, if people casually, and they can do it on set, if you speak courteously, yes. and you know, but know what you're talking about, and you make sense, then everything's taken into consideration. If you make choices based on the script, I've found a lot of the time, it's very hard for them to refute it. So if I you agree. do your homework, it's the words. Exactly. If you do your homework and you're like, well, in the script, you know, in page 20, it said that her father was a lawyer. So I'm based, I, you know, my father's a lawyer and I've based this off of, you know, conversations about him and at court, they say this and whatever. So that's why I made this choice. They tend to say, they tend to agree. They tend to be like, oh, okay. And now I see it. You've now explained I, it. Yes. And now I get that it makes sense. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe there's a common ground. Maybe you give them an alt in another take. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's Mm -hmm. part of the collaborative process. But you have a conversation with them from a place of research and homework as opposed to, I just think my way is better, which never works. Uh, Well, in anything in life. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. In anything. Okay, so if you were to give some advice to the actors out there listening, tell me three things that they should do or take into consideration to help further them. One... Find 
your coaches, find your mentors, find your teachers, people that speak your language, people that see eye to eye with you, that have the same philosophies. Um, you know, find Sherry if you're not around Aww, in LA. You're so sweet. Find your Sherry. Find <laughs> your coaches. The the mentors that you trust um, would be number one. Um, and number two is don't forget that you're not painting by the numbers in order to satisfy them. Mm. I would just say you're an artist. So pick your hue of indigo or oh, of it. whatever it is and you know kind of craft your character and walk in and you'll never you'll never regret that even mm-hmm. if you don't get the part mm-hmm. and the right parts will fall mm-hmm. um and then i would say just because it was the one that the, the piece of advice that changed my life the most is everything in your life should support your success and if it doesn't it you should reevaluate it get rid of it or rearrange it or figure it out or fix it because everything, your job, your finances, your day job, your coaching, your classes, your roommate, personal life, your personal life, yeah. your relationship, your friends, job, everything. everything. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> thank you so much for coming today. That was amazing. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Me. You guys get out there, be courteously aggressive, believe in yourself. See you again on this podcast. We're out. Hey.